Gavin. Hi, Louis. Welcome, everyone, to the Mixed Reviews. Absolutely. It um, is the first episode of the new year. Yeah, it is our first um, fresh episode. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we, I guess we did do that. We did our wrap-up yeah. on the last episode, but, um, you know, we weren't talking about anyone in particular and no. specific. So we were talking just, about the concept of the year 2019. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and all of its fictions, <laughs> rhapsodizing, if you will. Um <laughs> And but this is our first episode where we're back to our classic regular form. Dum, 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 dum. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, and so we don't have a, a Twitter poll for you. No. Um, we will have one next time. Um, do we have any old business we want to get um, out of the way? Um, no, I, I mean it's funny. I did, not a lot of people even wrote into us to tell us what their favorite film was of yeah. the last year. But I mean, I think we're everyone. We're still in shock. We're still mourning yeah. from the Oscars. I think this is maybe you've said this for a long time that. The Oscars are garbage and yeah. like nonsense. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just not an Oscars person. I mean, I totally. I want people to win accolades for their things, right? But uh, you know, I personally pit art against each other because that's what I do. But right. I don't think it's fundamentally really useful right. to try and be like this is the best of the. I best. think the and I was talking to my friends about this. I think the only um, I think awards are useful in the sense that um, it is a platform for more people to see things, right? Yeah. That reflect. Um, like our human nature, whatever. So it is important, and it would have been amazing to see Jennifer Lopez win an Oscar um, for like yeah. the Latino community. It would have been amazing to see Aquafina and the Fa- Farewell be nominated. Yeah. Like, um, it's no one needs to like see you know Martin Scorsese get another nomination. Like, it 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 kind of cheapens like you yeah. know, especially when we were talking like such a diverse year of uh, of filmmaking and movie yeah, making. Absolutely, and um, it's a shame when like our highest awards, whatever, doesn't really reflect that back to us. But luckily... Anyways, can't wait to see Todd Phillips win everything, roll up with that Joker. <laughs> Just every single thing. I... I'm scared to watch the Oscars. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't, maybe, I don't even know if I'm. Maybe we won't, guys. Maybe. Okay, just like come yeah. over. We'll get we'll, drunk. Yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll have a meetup. Yeah, um, we're watching Hustlers. Yes, <laughs> and that's it. It's a Hustlers Uncut Gems double feature. There you go. Uh, oh, I guess real quick before we move into our subject of this week, I should say this is the mixed reviews. Hi, we're a film podcast in which we talk about an actor, an actress, a director, or a film genre. And we talk about the good, and we talk about the bad, and we give you a complete history. Yes. It's it's a bit of a, I don't know, a filmic dissection. Mm, if you will. Filmic dissection. I like yeah. that. It sounds gross, but also accurate. Yeah, we take two weeks, pick a subject, watch as much as we can, come back, give you a little, a little this, a little that. <laughs> um, you, yeah, I wish you guys could see the shoulder. Movies. Yeah, this is. <laughs> Were those Fosse originals? I mean, <laughs> I, I've, I've been known to cut a rug, if you will. Um, to tip tap, to dabble. I didn't realize we had Gwen Vernon with us, everybody. <laughs> oh my God. All, all I can think of now is Michelle Williams with yeah. her like hands. You know, that's actually maybe the huge problem that we're going to have at the Academy Awards is nobody's going to make a good fucking speech like Michelle Williams has for the last couple years yeah. at the Golden Globes. So. I know. So who's our only hope? Um, I, Laura Dern. Laura Dern, maybe. She's gonna get up there and be like, yeah. tall women everywhere. <laughs> we rise. Yeah, exactly. I found out she's 5'10". Wow. The other day. She's taller than yeah. me. Is she really? I'm 5'9". No. I'm 6, so. I'm a medium-sized person, okay? <laughs> I'm not a short king. I'm not a tall. When I ordered a co-host, I ordered a medium. <laughs> Thank you. And here I am. <laughs> I should get the dryer. Yeah. <laughs> Like all my fucking t-shirts. Oh, wait, no. I'm just getting fatter. Anyways, this week... <laughs> Who are we talking about this week? We're here to talk about 
Alfre Woodard. We're here to talk about Alfre Woodard. What a um, interesting topic for us, I think. Absolutely. Um, She is currently in a movie that's out called Clemency. Yes, a movie that I think a lot of people had on their Oscar polls is doing better than it did at the nominations. Yeah, it kind of, it came and went. It was really late in the year. I think it came out after Christmas. Yeah. But it's got lost in the shuffle. But Alfre's had such a long career and a varied career. Um, she's in Star Trek. She's in Southern Gothic dramas. Yeah. She's, you know, in, uh, very specifically black centered movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was in Desperate Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> she, for a season. Yeah. What, what, when you think of Alfre Woodard, what, like, what does that conjure for you, Gavin? I think the thing that I find that's most interesting about her is looking at the, the things in her career that she's picked. Is I think she's very choosy about coming up with a character that is believable and has a point of view in their life, whether it be political, whether it be, you know, romantic, that she really, she finds that core and puts it in everything that she does. And I think that's what makes her such an interesting, because she essentially, we started talking a little bit about this before the show. I think we both ran into the issue that we sort of had when we did Stanley Tucci, yeah. where she's a character actor. Mm-hmm. She will take a small, small role if she wants, but she does a really good job in shining in it, yeah. you know, which is not to say that she's somebody who plays herself. I don't think she's ever played the same character twice. No. Really. I mean, like, I think she definitely is sometimes pigeonholed into, yeah. like, strong, authoritarian black woman. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I do think she's tokenized. Oh, I think so, too. She, I've actually found an interview where she said... People will say that I'm a, a good actor. And they've said that for a long time. But they never ask me to do something unless the script says she's 5'5", five five, she's medium brown skin, she's, you know, not fat, she's not skinny... She got, she looks like an African-American. She talks like this. I mean, it has to say that or they don't, they won't mm-hmm. ask me generally. Mm-hmm. Now, if, do I want Helen Mirren's job as the Queen of England? No, <laughs> I can't be the Queen of England. But right. if you say I can act, then you should have called me about all the other things that didn't say the woman has to look just like a Windsor. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I... I think I've done well with what I've been asked to do, but it's a big loss that I didn't get asked to do things that I was really capable of doing. I mean, the thing is also she is um, instantly recognizable. I think a lot of people will be like, if you don't know her name, you show her a picture and you're like, oh, yeah, I know her just from like her. She has a very recognizable face. Very recognizable Uh, voice. Yeah. Yeah. we were just watching a video of her and doing a play. And the thing that struck me is that her voice, she's such a good vehicle for good writing. Yeah. Um, she, she's an excellent actress, but I think just her voice is just like this brown sugar, slow. And she's got, um, she's from Oklahoma. So she's got this like southernness yeah. to her. Um, and it's really just, um, soothing. And she's, I think she's very good at playing a mom. Yes. I, um, yeah. I, I, I like. I would love a hug from everyone. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's 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 that stern but like compassionate. I think she's a very well. I think, emp- 
empathetic actress. Yeah, I think that's I think that's sort of what I was trying to say, even though it was a little sloppy about her core. You know, we've often talked about actors on the show who sometimes think, you know, drama is big and it's screaming and mm-hmm. it's intense. And I, I think she has those moments, obviously, because everybody has those moments in their life, the breaking point. But it's not a ton. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is it's she takes everything in yeah. and and sort of lets it brew in that core. And then it comes out and it's thoughtful and it's measured. I had had like a little success. I'd done a couple of TV movies and all. And I'd worked with Bob Altman. And my father saw something, you know, you know, I was doing a lot of dramatic stuff. He said to me, he goes... You know, I know everybody's saying you were really good in that. I think I got an Emmy nomination. Somebody goes, he said you're really good in that. And you were, but he said, I think you act too hard. And I said, what? He goes, you just, you act too hard. It's too much. And I said, well, Bob Altman and Jan Kadar don't think that. He goes, yeah, but I'm your daddy. They don't know. <laughs> so, so that haunted me. Like the next time I was, I was, on set and I was doing something and it called for drama. I heard like, you act right. I was like, I'm going to kill him. So my father's voice tell me, but the funny thing about it was he said, you know, if you really, he says, just pretend you doing all that. He goes, you mess around, lose, you lose your mind. He said, those people won't even do anything about it. It was like, okay, don't act too hard. Don't lose your mind. I haven't taken that to heart, though, obviously. The best example is she famously is in um, Civil War, Avengers Civil War, yes. Captain America Civil War, Captain whatever. Captain America Civil War. Um, for one scene. Yeah. And it is very affecting. I, uh, it, uh, the, I don't, okay, what am I trying to say? I don't think the movie is like the best movie of all time or whatever. I'm not trying to say like Civil War is so good or whatever. But I think they said we need to find yeah. someone to play a mom who could convincingly tell Tony Stark that you have failed. Yeah. You killed my son. It is because of you and your decisions that, um, like, the Avengers suck and, like, fuck you very much. And she has one scene to get it done. Yeah. And it's not a long scene. No. And um, and they fucking put Alfred Woodard in it. And I was like, done. I mean, she knocks it out of the park. It's, it's so funny, too, because I think that um, I completely agree, which is not... I'm going to slightly shift. I think it struck people in an interesting way, too, because she was already involved in the Marvel property, which is another testament to her power is that you can place her in, you know, Luke Cage, where she's playing Black Mariah or, you know, Civil War. I forgot about Luke Cage. Yeah. Holy shit. That was good. And playing a completely different character Mm -hmm. and not have it feel out of place in your continuity and your, you know, cinematic universe, quote unquote, right. um, uh, that you have this person who's playing multiple roles. And what's wild though, is like both those characters are moms. Yeah. And, but like black Mariah is evil. evil. Like yeah. it, and she plays it like so slinky and like, yeah. you believe she's a dangerous woman, Ariana Grande. Um, <laughs> and, and and then the complete opposite in this other nameless role, really, in Civil yeah. War, where it's like um, the frustration and horrors of a mother who has, you know, lost a son. Um, but all good things. Uh, let's uh, just get into our rewind, yeah? Absolutely. Alfre Woodard was born November 8th, 1952, which means she's just had a birthday a couple months ago. Yeah. Happy birthday, Alfre. We're on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. You and Alfre. 
Um, she is incredibly accomplished, as we've talked about many, many times. Uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award and a Grammy Award, and she's been nominated 18 times at the Emmy Award. She's won four, yeah. and she's won a Golden Globe and three Screen Actors Guild Awards. So she's, you know, racking up those. Yeah, she's beloved accolades. by the community that she is in. So she was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, to Constance, a homemaker, and Marion H. Woodward, an entrepreneur and interior designer. Uh, she is the youngest of three children, the baby. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite facts is that she was a cheerleader in high school, but not only was she a cheerleader, she was head cheerleader. Uh-oh. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Woodward attended Bishop Kelly High School, a private Catholic school in Tulsa, and graduated there in 1970. She studied drama at Boston University, and she graduated from there as well. It's funny, I listened to her talk about, and I'm going to butcher this anecdote, so I'll probably just insert a clip, but I listened to her talk about improv exercises at the uh at the catholic high school i remember it was uh, my first play it was peter weiss's investigation mm. and nobody so she was holding like everybody had to improv yeah. and so we were all divided between the nazis and and all the defendants mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to be the nazis <laughs> Would <laughs> <laughs> be like, you know, fifteen, sixteen. Oh, I'm gonna be a Nazi. Yeah. And she said, you know, back then they wore habits, and she was like doing her rose when she said, <laughs> "Oh, don't think you can't be a Nazi. Nazis are not born. I see your little fascist ways out on the out in the courtyard here. <laughs> don't tell me you can't be a Nazi. And Lord knows we are learning, yeah, just every day in yeah. every country we live in." That, there are. that fascism creeps. Yeah. I don't know. I think that was a really interesting formative thing for her because I think it taught her that there is a judgment and a and a kind of a sense of self-righteousness in everybody that may lead you in the wrong direction. Right. She has said several times that she is an activist first, uh, not just an actor. She's been doing activism since she was in her teens. Okay, so I have been a social activist since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I and it was, so it preceded me being it, discovering I was an yeah. artist. Um, and so my sense of being an artist mm-hmm. is completely rooted in my activism and my spirituality. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I, I don't go out and do, you know, political plays mm-hmm. on the corner, but I will do street theater if it's good. And, yeah. I have done it. <laughs> and you can see that in a lot of her movies. Absolutely. All the roles that she chooses, not all, but like a lot of the roles she chooses in small, tiny little films, you can tell, I'm like, oh, there is a definite political bent to the story. She's trying to say something. Oh, absolutely. Um, so she made a professional theater debut in 1974 on Washington, D.C.'s arena stage. Uh, in 76, she moved to Los Angeles. When she came to Los Angeles, she was instantly told there are no roles for black actors. Um, and she just said, I'm not a fool. I know that. Mm-hmm. But I knew I know my craft. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her to fucking shut those people down. Her breakthrough role came in the off-Broadway production of the play, the original cast of the play, Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough, in 1977. We watched the film version of that for the Whoopi Goldberg. Horrifying. And it's so funny because that play is a classic. Yeah. And and really... it's Isn't there... Wasn't there... There was just one off-Broadway at the public. at the public. Yeah. Um, I would go back and listen to our Whoopi Goldberg episode to hear our thoughts on the film... It's bad. It's bad. It's, I mean, it's in the hands of Tyler Perry. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's all you really need to know. 
And if you know his politics and his thoughts on, I don't know, women and gays and <laughs> things of that nature. Uh, her film debut occurs in 1978. Uh, it's a film, a thriller called Remember My Name, directed by Alan Rudolph. But in the same year, she also did a play called The Trial of Moke. Uh, it was aired on great performances on PBS and co-starred Samuel Jackson. And, you know, it's this play about the first black cadet to graduate from West Point and sort of a trumped up trial that he was brought up on. But her character is really interesting because he is a very light skinned black man mm-hmm. who feels that his place is to represent o- other black people in this white world. And her character is sort of like, she's just be you know i mean it's the whole be yourself yeah it's the hard thing of like um you know you're trying to run away or trying to pass try to marry a white woman trying to be you're trying to be part of a world that will never love you will never accept you and uh you know we are who we are kesha (laughs) i'm gonna keep going all all the episode you want me to be uppity and high tone like that molly riley Everybody knows what you wanted with her. But she turned you down, run off with one of her own kind. That remark is beneath my contempt. Oh, stop talking so fancy. You want to chase after white women, make a fool of yourself, go on. But don't you dare say it's my dress you don't like, or my earrings, or my flower water. What you don't like is my skin. And I could scrub it and scrub it, and it'd still be too black for you. In 1980, uh, she was one of the ensemble of the Robert Altman film Health. Uh, this film is, it's on YouTube. It's a little hard to find because technically 20th Century Fox never released it. Uh, it's not great, but I don't hate it. And I think Alfred Woodard's really amazing in it. Um, you know, it, then she starts doing a bunch of TV. In 1983, she stars, you know, in her first, like, big non really ensemble role in the movie cross creek directed by martin ritt yeah with mary steenberg her and she will work with her many times over her Absolutely. career one of the things i love about alfred woodard is there does and we run into this every now and then but there seems to be a stable of people in her orbit that yeah. that really yeah you know she, she gets cast a lot with mary steenberg and she gets cast a lot with mary mcdonald yep uh she shows up in a lot of Lawrence Kasdan films, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Altman early on. You know, it's interesting to see these. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is another person oh, that, yeah, sure. that shows up in a bunch of her life. <laughs> Civil War. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, she's very good at starring in one scene with him because she's also in the singing detective for like a scene. Um, it's just a couple scenes, but there's only one where she has dialogue. Um, Cross Creek is very indicative of what. I think a lot of her career, um, I don't want to say like it, it's, it's, it's a starting point that there, I don't know if like the system or in this movie, she plays a, um, I don't even know how, how to describe her. She's a working, um, bayou kind of like, uh, simple woman. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a very like Southern Gothic drama where Mary Steen Burgeon's character is like, 
she plays the author who ends up writing The Yearling and yeah. Jacob's Ladder. And so she's this woman who essentially appears at her doorstep and is like, I want to clean your house. Yeah. And then just becomes her best friend and lives with her. Right. But she, I mean, the way she's painted is very, you know, like uneducated. Yeah. She's a home, she, she cleans. She's, you know, she has a very strong, uh, not only Southern dialect, but, uh, almost borderline, like, slavery dialect yeah but it's set not in slave times um but it's just a and and this is a type of character that uh you know i i mentioned 1985 earlier because she was in go tell it on the mountain yes um which a huge cast um and i don't know i think as we go and talk more about these movies there are moments where she is asked to play a type of black woman when you can tell that is in service of a white story yeah. compared to playing a black woman in the service of a black story. And it's, I, I was like, it makes me feel so gross or uncomfortable when um, probably white directors are like expecting a certain performance of, of, from a person of color um, compared to a movie that is clearly in the hands of an African-American community. And um, it feels a little bit more... I don't know what's the word, but it feels a little more authentic. Yeah. I've been watching how you do it, but you a woman and you live by yourself and don't nobody take advantage of you. That's something I learned off of you. But she gets a nomination for an Oscar for this movie. I was just going to say, so she's nominated for her first and only Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, but I do want to build off what you're saying, and I don't want to lose ourselves in the timeline. But one of the things that frustrated me is exactly that. The other thing, which I think is grows out of that, is there are other films, more modern set films, where she's essentially playing the same role, but not not in the same way, mm-hmm. not in the you know not in the the southern kind of you know not very smart dialect, smart p- characters with full lives, but their life only exists to <laughs> serve the story. Of a white man. Yeah. And this happens over and over again. She, she'll she appear in films. Even even films I liked. I mean, Mississippi Grind, she's in a scene. But, like, it's a movie about white people. And it, like, it seems like she's only there in service of that. Mumford was another one where it was just like, I don't understand why Alfred Woodard's in this movie. Like, this unremarkable white man is, <laughs> is, the, is the, the subject. And it just... Yeah. And... I it's really it's the same thing where I just kept thinking like these are white male directors and writers who've written these roles without thinking about the microaggressions that that come along with it. Yeah. As a grown African-American woman, and especially as a woman who has been in cinema and television for the past 46 years, I experience microaggressions, not only daily, but hourly. But you know, the way that I have kept my joy is in a constant state of forgiveness. Because most people don't mean to be a dick. Most people don't mean to be a jerk. Most people don't mean to be really vapid. So if they come off that way, give them a chance because Hopefully, we're all learning. Doesn't mean you look over things. If you feel like it, if you're not tired, maybe explain it. If you don't feel like explaining it, just let it go, but don't take offense because offense is baggage. It's difficult because I think she, 
once this movie comes out, she's kind of known as this Southern. She's really good at being Southern. Yeah. And, and being in these gothic or, um, dramas about, um, black people in the South. And I think she's very good at it. I just think there are times, like, there are movies that just work better and utilize her better. Um, and are not, um, just kind of like using, like tropes or I don't know. It's, it's, it watching cross Creek was hard. Yeah. I, I think everyone's very, I think she's good in it. I thought, but, yeah, no, but, I thought everything, every thought, I thought everybody was good in it. I also found the movie besides hard to watch also incredibly boring. I'll be honest. I feel like that type of biopic, especially when there's not a lot of dramatic tension involved, well, doesn't it, really, even hold. in that, mo- that movie though, like the main character, is like leave me alone. I just want to work. And this man just keeps like yeah being like no, you're being a bitch. Like why? Yeah. And just let me like love you. And I was like ill. And in the end, she's like you know what? You were right. <laughs> and I'm like what the fuck? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's Cross Creek. Um. Also, so she doesn't win the Academy Award, mm-hmm. and she never gets nominated again because we live in a fucked up society. Wild. Uh. But in 1983, she does go on to win her first primetime Emmy Award. When she does a three episode arc, um, as Doris Robbins on NBC's drama Hill Street Blues, she does a ton of TV after that. Um, she's nominated for primetime Emmy Awards for her roles in the films Word by Heart, Unnatural Causes in 86, and A Mother's Courage, The Mary Thomas Story in 89. Um, in 86, she also stars opposite Farrah Fawcett in Extremities, which is based off a 1982 off Broadway play. It's all right. Yeah. I watched it. I had to buy it for, I had to rent it from Amazon, but I like, I didn't see it, but I mean, that was when Sarah, um, Farrah Fawcett was. Yeah, big. big yeah. Yeah. And Farrah Fawcett does not to delve into Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett leads a couple of films around that era in which she's like the victim who then like oh, has to turn the tables. Then I mean, I guess if you're going to make a career out of it, but like, yeah. Uh. yeah. Um, she wins a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama Series for her performance as a dying leukemia patient um, in the pilot of L.A. Law. Hmm. So she has, like, all these sort of fingerprints everywhere. And then she gets cast um, from 1985 to 86 as a series regular on St. Elsewhere. Uh, she plays the role of Dr. Dr. Roxanne Turner, who's, you know, very strong and independent, but also played as kind of a love interest for Denzel Washington's character on the show. It's wild because, like, during this time, there weren't a lot of people who were going back and forth between TV and film. And- no, and I feel like it was often seen, and we've talked about this in a couple other episodes, it's often seen as doing TV was lesser, especially yeah. in the, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, you could transition from TV to film. Yeah, but going but, backwards. But going backwards was never... Nowadays, it's less because we're we're in the golden age of television. And everything's a prestige drama. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Alfred was doing it for ages, honey. Absolutely. And snatching trophies, okay? Uh, she leaves the show after a year, but comes back in 1988 to do a single episode and gets nominated Holy shit. <laughs> at the Emmys for guest actress. In 1987, she does an HBO film where she plays Winnie Mandela, the wife of Nelson Mandela, in the HBO film Mandela. Said Mandela many times now. Um, so she spent... A ton of time prepping for this role, uh, watching news clips, listening to tapes of Winnie to to match that South African as- accent, which is not easy. Yeah, um, Leonardo DiCaprio ah! and uh, 
But she received a Cable Ace Award and an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Lead Actress uh, for Mandela. And then she, like, from there, just, bam, right back into movies. She yeah. was Scrooged in 1988 and Miss Firecracker in 1989. Did you see Miss Firecracker? Don't talk to me about Miss Firecracker. <laughs> you know it's one of my favorite fucking movies, okay? I have a DVD of Miss Firecracker. I, I don't think I knew. that. The- I... I, my like the dramaturgy of me and Miss Firecracker. Uh, I took a an American Women in Literature course in college, read the play. Um, it's so good. And then when I found out there was a movie and it stars Holly Hunter, Holly fucking Hunter, and man. Mary Steenburgen, yeah, um, and Alfred Woodard, Alfred Woodard, Tim Robbins, yeah, um, and and Scott Glenn. A small role, but good. Everything about that movie, yeah, oh, set in Yazoo City, Mississippi. I know, and they filmed it there too. That's amazing. Yeah. The, that movie is a really interesting watch because I think everybody's a real powerhouse in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, like, it manages to... Ca- like, there's scenes... Like, the scene where Mary Steenburgen first shows up and it's her and Holly Hunter and Alfre Woodard is, like, fire. Like, it's... I don't know. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, We'll probably talk about it later. <laughs> yeah. I, I And I genuinely love... You know, Alfred Woodard's character is so it. young in oh my God. there. Um, um, yeah. Her character, Popeye Jackson, just, I, I don't That's know. how but, you fucking make a Southern movie. Yeah. That tap dance, too. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, in 91, she does Grand Canyon for Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, it's an ensemble drama. It's essentially Lawrence Kasdan's crash. It's, it's something. It's all about how LA is terrible, but for some reason everybody still lives there. It's and, very like... Like literally if I had to listen to another character tell me how awful the world is. Yeah. That. But like they're saying it's so awful, but like also being like, yeah, black people are scary. Yeah. And like babies. And the, hom- <laughs> the homeless problem, guys. Yeah. I, I can't run in the morning without running into a homeless person. It's like, and 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 how I mean it's all about like white liberal guilt, you know, and like oh my god, but like, not not analyzing it. No, no. <laughs> I mean there's literally a scene in which Kevin Klein meets Alfred Woodard for the first time, and instantly is like, "Can I set you up with my black friend?" Yeah, and I thought that was going to be the upsetting part because it it comes up later in the film. Mary Louise Parker mentions she's like, "How could you do that to her?" And I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to bring up the fact that he was like, saw this single black woman was like, I can set you up with a single black man. And literally, Mary Louise Parker's just like, how could you let somebody else fall in love in front of me without Uh like thinking about me? Right. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck is this movie? The best part of that movie is when they go on their date and she's like, and and it's Danny Glover. It's Danny Glover, who's amazing. And she's and she's like, why do you think he set us up? And then he's like. We're probably the only black people he knows. And I was like, finally, a moment of honesty. (laughs) And that was that. That's it. That's the only. So, yeah, I mean, critics loved it at the time. Times change, you know, Um, and major box office success. In the next year, she reteams with Mary McDonald, who was also in Grand Canyon with her for the John Sayles film Passion Fish. Oh, you have no idea how many takes that That took. I was so Um, proud of you just um, then. (laughs) You know, I edit this shit, and that was not easy. Um, that movie, I thought, like, at first I was like, what a fucking weird name for a movie. And then I started watching it, and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly... John Sayles, I feel like, doesn't get enough credit for essentially being... I think they think of it as a very 90s sort of, you know, like, independent film, black and white, grainy. 
there's obviously a much longer lineage of that. I think John Sayles is sort of a, a very classic godfathery figure in in independent film. He makes these films that are largely character studies. They're usually bittersweet, but also you know darkly funny yeah. and and full of these interesting characters. Mary McDonald plays a soap opera actress who is paralyzed, and she's kind a of bitch. yeah, she's actually she's not a nice person. And she just kind of runs through everybody in her life until she meets Alfred Woodard, who is a home care nurse, who is also a recovering addict and has her own story. And they kind of get along because Alfred Woodard doesn't sugarcoat shit for her. But I don't know. The really touching film, really sweet. And they're both amazing. They're both amazing. And like they're they're both like kind of bitches to each other yeah and they respect each other because of it and they're just so funny i you know when she's trying to like get her to you know make her friends who are gawking to go away miss colhane it's 2 15 it's time for your injections oh <gasps> right my injections oh dear have we overstayed our welcome if I don't have the spasms, they only take about an hour. Well, we were just passing through anyway. And now we know where you yes. are. <laughs> Do you think I'll need the restraints today? They've been set up. Excuse us, please. It's available on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, if you it's, watch it. it's worth definitely worth a watch. Um, you know, she. everybody was like, she's going to get an Oscar. She's going to get an Oscar. She's going to get an Oscar. Not even nominated. Uh. But she got her first Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. And she won the Independent Spirit Awards for Best Supporting Female that year. So, like, yeah. clearly she didn't go unnoticed. It's just frustrating that the highest board can't. Um, the same year, she does a cute little romantic comedy called Heart and Souls with Robert Downey Jr., a good, yes. good friend. Well, I'm assuming this is where she met him. Uh-huh. Uh, cute movie. I've loved that movie since I was a little kid. And uh, honestly, the best, th- my favorite thing about it, I rewatched it, is still, like, all the, like, background interplay between her and Kara Sedgwick. This is and, Robert Downey Jr. pre yes, drugs or whatever. Yeah, or probably at the, at the same time. Yeah. Um pre-jail. Pre-jail. <laughs> yes. There is a scene in which Robert Downey Jr. does Alfrey Woodard as she possesses his body <laughs> and I don't know how well like it's almost like Alec Baldwin playing Harriet Tubman on uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like we're there. We're there. I'm going to pass some information on to you. You bozos outside got the trucks blocking my car in. My Rolls Royce. What are you talking about? Where did you park? What do you think? You listen to me? I just said I parked up between your trucks. That's why I can't move. Don't you give me attitude. I'm mother. She stars again with Danny Glover in 1993 in the film Bofa um, and had a leading role in 1994's Crooklyn, which is Spike Lee directed. Um, Crooklyn, which I watched and I was like, that is the neighborhood in which I currently live. Yeah. Which was very wild and weird to see. Um, and the movie came out in like, uh, 94? 94. Yep. And there, the, and, but the movie is set in like the 70s. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's even weirder just to think about like the 90, dissonance. Yeah. yeah. The, the dissonance of the time of, cause uh, you're 20 years on. Yeah. And watch, they, yeah. Yeah. Watching this Spike yeah. Lee's 20 year, looking back to the 70s um yeah crooklyn was i had never heard of it before. oh really yeah. it was so it a couple of years ago 2017 they had a big like they put out five films to to watch 
during simultaneous screenings in all five boroughs of New York City. Um, and they were films like Woody Allen's Manhattan and I'm trying to remember the other ones, but Crooklyn won. Wow. And there was in 2017, there was five simultaneous screenings in all of the, the, and I, I don't know. It, it, I loved it. It's a, I think it's a really special film. I, it's funny because I, I was like, this feels like this isn't, not that it's not like a Spike Lee film. It very much feels like a Spike Lee film, but it feels like a Bergman film. It's a a very... And so I Googled, like, I was like, Crooklyn, Bergman. And other critics at the time definitely noticed that too. And I was happy. Also, his sister co-wrote it. Oh. And so I wonder if that like helped bring, cause it definitely has a, a more, it's, it's a less linear quality than a yeah. lot of his other films. It's very loving. Yeah. You know, it, it feels less, um, I mean, there's definitely like a Spike Lee, you know, harsh reality. To yeah, it, yeah. But it also has a lot of like love and tenderness, I yeah. think, to it, which is and, not. And I think there's a, I think there's a school of thought where you could look at Alfred Woodard's performance as the mother of this family, where she's like strict and kind of like by the book. And I think the other, the reverse of that is, is I think she's so loving that she's terrified for her children to go out in this world <laughs> that is. Which is not to say just New York City, the world in general, mm-hmm. which is unkind to people yeah. of color. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you, reader, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. It's a very good movie. From now on, everybody's going to start pulling their weight around here. Do you understand me? You always make me crazy when I slap the black off you. This is no hotel. I will slap. I knock them teeth into tomorrow. You're going to start cooking too. Get downstairs now. She does a bunch of other smaller roles, Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag, which I, I watched for Julianne Moore. Um, not, oh, not I. It's the, it's fun. It's bad. It has not aged well, but it's fun. <laughs> um, Rich in Love, Blue Chips in 94. In 95, she does How to Make an American Quilt, along with many other powerful actresses, including Maya Angelou, who she'll have like a connection with for, you know. Plays her daughter. Her, yeah, she plays her daughter. And, uh, Alfred Woodard plays my Angelou's daughter. Not to get, not to get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to, I feel like there's, there's a connection there, um, throughout the rest of her career with my Angelou. Even, even goes so far as her character in Beauty Shop just mm, constantly mm-hmm. quotes my Angelou. 96, she takes a small role in the film Primal Fear as Judge Marion Shout. Um, good movie. It's a fun little mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Norton's the standout in that film. Um, but also in 96, near and dear to me, Star Trek First Contact. There you go. Uh, she plays Lily Sloan. Unfortunately, she's kind of, I rewatched it and I was like, oh, she's kind of only an assistant, which I thought yeah. was weird. And she, she's not really a damsel. I will say that. She definitely doesn't fall into the damsel role. There's not a ton of times where it's just like, oh, she's been captured and somebody yeah. has to come rescue her. But uh, it's, she's kind of a love interest for Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard. And the thing that has always killed me, and I'm pretty sure they say this on the writer's commentary on the DVD, he doesn't kiss her. In the end, he, like, kisses her on the fucking cheek. But but what's funny is uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher, who's always been his, like, main squeeze, <laughs> the look she gives her before they beam away, Uh-oh. I had not caught it before, and I was just like... Beverly's like, Doctor, fuck you, yeah, bitch. Doctor, she said, I'm going to crush her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but I do want to talk about, uh, just before we move off of Star Trek First Contact, I'm assuming you didn't see it. I'm sure you're not a I Star think Trek I have person. seen it before, yeah. but I did not it. It's with it. the Borg and time travel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, the thing that I like is I think another actor 
would have so essentially first contact is star trek's horror movie it's mm. not necessarily scary but it's scarier than a lot of the other stuff they do there's a scene where she's wandering down a corridor with patrick stewart and he says they won't bother us if they don't think you're a threat so they're walking through all these awful machine looking people at these borg and she, they keep like turning and kind of bumping into her and she's like letting out little screams and i think many times in horror movies you see these scenes where like you have to be quiet yeah you have to, we can't let them and so i think another actor they would create that tension of holding it all in and just and i love i love that she's just like ah, ah, <laughs> and it's such a good it's such a clear ch- like character choice for yeah. this character also it's the it's the performance that maybe she's she gets a little she's like i'm being dramatic by getting loud but i love it she gives the classic speech telling jean-luc to blow the ship up Dare you? oh come on captain you're not the first man to get a thrill from murdering someone i see it all the time get out off what You'll kill me? Like you killed Ensign Lynch? There was no way to save him. You didn't even try. Where was your involved sensibility then? I don't have time for this. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your little quest. Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. What? You do have books in the 24th century. This is not about revenge. Liar! This is about saving the future of humanity! Jean-Luc, blow up the damn ship! No! I think that and Gulliver's Travels were the first time I saw her uh, as a kid. Gulliver's Travels was 96. She did the Hallmark miniseries with Ted Danson, Mary Steenburgen. Um, and she plays uh, the queen. The second place that he goes to in Gulliver's Travels, if you've ever read the book... Um, is uh bro Benang. it's hard for me <sighs> could not help you she played so essentially the first land he goes to is lilliputin gulliver mm-hmm. he's small yes oh uh, no he's giant everybody's small he's giant yeah next place he goes to he's small everybody else is giant she plays the queen of these people and i kind of love that this because i don't think she often gets to play royalty Royal. yeah and and also great because it's fucking Jonathan Swift. The book was Jonathan Swift. Uh, she's cur- curious about the place that he comes from. And she's asking him all these questions about law and poverty and food. And he doesn't understand because what she's essentially describing of their kingdom is that they're fucking socialists. And everything's great. And <laughs> I she, don't get it. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, in England, it doesn't work this way. In your courts, how much time is spent in determining between right and wrong? Oh, trials last weeks or months at great cost to those involved. Doesn't that mean the poor have no recourse to the law? Well, the poor are too busy working to need justice. Do your lawyers ever plead cases which manifestly they know to be wrong? Of course. That's their job. And this amuses you, does it? To mock our institutions. No, no, I was trying to defend them. That was the whole point. You said your taxes raise more than five or six million, and yet the state spends more than double that amount. How can a kingdom spend more than it receives in taxes? Well, that's that's simple. We just borrow more from ourselves. I love her performance in it, and I love the, you know, as you mentioned many times, social activist. I'm sure she loved fucking reciting those lines yeah. and being like, oh, yeah. 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 Listen up. In 98, 
she landed a leading role as a single alcoholic mother from Chicago, forced to spend a summer with her uncle in Mississippi um, in the independent drama Down in the Delta, which was directed by Maya Angelou. Wow. So once again, that connection to Maya Angelou. Um, she was nominated at the Independent Spirit Awards for, for lead. Um, didn't win. Um, 99, she does Mumford again for Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, Mary McDonald's also in the movie. In 97, she did Mrs. Evers Boys or Miss Evers Boys. Oh, yes. Boys. Sorry. I totally um, didn't. I only, re- I only remember that because I, I was watching it and I got to say, I fell asleep and then like, I woke up and I was like, oh, man, it's still going on. Yeah. Um, it's a long movie. It's slow. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, what did you think of Miss Evers Boys? It's good. I mean, I'll be honest. Her, her performance is what, what really sold me on that movie. I haven't seen it in years and i remember very much what you're describing so i was like okie dokie but it's an important subject it's an important story yeah in the 1930s the tuskegee study of untreated blacks and syphilis yeah it was a it was a terrible thing Mm -hmm. you know it's horrifying and and she brings such compassion and honesty to the role but yeah it's well i mean i think i i don't know um enough about like the actual history of it all but like they put this weird like love plot on top of it yeah. also and i was like what? like for me i was like the horror of you know the government and these decisions is clearly the most interesting and compelling part of the story and they keep like kept making these turns for her and Lawrence Fishburne to like get together and like oh no and i was like oh why hollywood why <laughs> <laughs> um 2000s comes around, continue like full force into the new millennium. Uh, what's cooking? Love and basketball, where she's the lead character's mother. What's cooking is so fun. <laughs> K-Pax, the core, the forgotten. A bunch of these are movies that we've watched for other like the Forgotten's with Julianne Moore. Yep. Uh, she does radio. She does the singing detective, beauty shop in two thousand five, um, and take the lead in two thousand six. Which Antonio, Antonio, and uh, she's so good as the principal so who hires good. him. To teach dance at her school. Um, she has a voice role in the Walt Disney film Dinosaur. And I think people forget about it because it's not like it was- a flashy, but it's it's a beautifully animated film. And it was a huge hit. It was earned $349 million worldwide. It was like when Disney was really um, trying new things out since their like traditional animation had kind of... Um, you know, they were, they were, Dinosaur is like the, one of the first, like after pick, uh, Toy Story, like it's all CGI, right? Yeah. Like, um, and it looks and crazy. It, and it was one of Disney's like non Pixar yeah. CGI animated yeah. films. And yeah, it's a gorgeous looking film. I, I don't love it. I'll be honest, but I, I forget how successful it actually yeah. was because I think people don't think of it as like the pantheon of Disney animation. She gets a primetime Emmy award. Uh, for doing two, it was her fourth and so far final primetime Emmy Award. She does two episodes of The Practice in 2003. You can watch these episodes on Hulu. I sure fucking did. Wow. Uh, she plays a schizophrenic, um, death row patient who, uh, the warden of her prison asks for her not to be executed and the, the trial that proceeds and the, the, the gimmick, the, the, the idea her lawyer comes up with played by Cameron Mannheim's character is to take her off her medication because in the original trial, she was found to be competent and she wants to show she's incompetent. And then 
like spoiler alert like the judge rules sure as long as she doesn't take her medication we can't kill her but the moment you put her on her medication yeah wow we're gonna execute her that's that's drama drama okay um abc the practice tuesdays at nine stars in tyler perry's the family that prays because she's a black woman in hollywood so she yes, can't escape the cannot. orbit of i mean in tyler that Perry. in that movie she also works with sana lath who also was in love and basketball absolutely um uh and uh god what's the other like it, there's three like black women in, the, in that um, um taraji p henson taraji p henson yeah yeah and 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 she also i wish it hadn't been this film Mm-hmm. She works with Kathy Bates. Yes, and that's I love right. It. Kathy Bates is also an original Robert Altman person, and like, I would love to see them in another movie together. Yeah, not that one. Not this one. She does so much TV towards the end of 2010. I think sort of the highlight is she takes the role of Weeza in the Lifetime remake of Steel, Steel Magnolias. Magnolias. Yeah, it's not good. She's fine. I find the whole movie has a slower cadence than the original mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias, and I don't think it behooves the style of because that's a fast. I've also yeah. seen that I've seen that show on stage, and that show is very like quick. Yeah, and I find like for some reason it's the slowed down. It needs to be tighter. Yeah, and um. it just and also like Queen Latifah produced it, and like good for her for doing it. I don't think she's the right Malin. Right. No. I think that's the. It's a little you know, miscast. Yeah. Because like you want, I mean, especially when you think of like the original with all those like kind of whippersnap. And, yeah. And there are like certainly black women who could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, it was just like the wrong direction and yeah. vibe. This is it. I have found it. I'm in hell. Thurman, be quiet. I couldn't leave him at home. He'd tear that place up. Morning, Weezer. Don't try to get on my good side. I no longer have one. This is the biter I told you about. In 2013, she appears in Steve McQueen's drama, 12 Years a Slave. Mm -hmm. It's funny. This is essentially another one scene role, but it's a pivotal scene. Mm -hmm. And she's really fantastic in it. I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's just interesting. Like, I, I, when I saw Go Tell It on the Mountain, something like happened. I was like, man, this is, this is a story about, um, modern, I want to say modern. It's like post slavery black people who are trying to make it in life. And, but literally their parents or grandparents were slaves and trying to, um, you know, escape that and like the horrors of, uh, sin. Yeah. And, um, and she's in these flashbacks scenes and so you know she's and she's kind of like a oh my god what there's like one scene she says something so crazy she's like oh forget sin whatever let's like she basically just wants to fuck this guy and they do and they have a kid together she's really the voice of the audience and that's you know? <laughs> there you go um but yeah i mean it, and that and that story i i was like this is clearly made for a black audience right um, this whole story is about this black family. Um, and you could sense that. And then kind of similarly with 12 years a slave. Uh, and it's a good, good parallel, I guess, because in those roles, she is playing these, um, slave women, but is not in, um, the story is about these black people. It's not about, you know, yeah, a white. Take comfort, Patsy. Good lot of manage apps in his own time. Good Lord, to manage them all. The curse of the pharaohs, 
but a poor example of what wait for the plantation class. This is nice. 2014, in terms of film, she does Annabelle and Mississippi Grind. Um, she also stars in the independent drama Knucklehead playing an abusive mother. And I love the fact that she's not willing to shy away from these dark performances. She's really, she gives them her all. Also in 2014, she does the very short-lived NBC political drama um, State of Affairs, where she's the <gasps> yes. first female president of the United States opposite Catherine Heigl, who's a member of the Secret Service. Catherine Heigl's return to television. Yeah, the less said about Catherine Heigl, the better. But good on Alfrey for being the first woman president. Yeah, I'm, I'm her. That makes me sound a little too much like the people from Get Out, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for Alfrey Woodard for another term if I could. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in 2014, she was inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Ah. Uh. Well deserved. She said in her acceptance speech that she believes it is her responsibility to use her fame to help others less fortunate. Great. Yeah. Yes. Like, absolutely. You mentioned she plays the very small role of Miriam Sharp in Captain America Civil War in Mm -hmm. 2017. Sorry, in 2016. And that brings us kind of up to to nowadays. She's in the Michelle Mahonigan movie St. Judy. She does series of unfortunate events for Netflix. She plays... um, Cookie Lion's mother on Empire. Oh, my God. Um, in terms of films, you know, she does Juanita for Netflix, which yeah. was written by her husband. Juanita is a Kukuluku movie. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, She's also 20 years older than the main character in the book. That sounds about right. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, she can play younger. Yeah. But I was just like... The movie, like, just takes some big swings yeah. that are very... I was like, this... And it, it feels like a play. It feels like... I mean, because there are times when she literally looks to the camera. She breaks the fourth wall. And yeah. she has, like, these weird dreams with um, Blair Underwood. Yes, Blair Underwood playing himself <laughs> yeah, in who, his underwear. Yeah. It's a weird little movie. Yeah. But good for her. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I liked her more than I liked the movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's a very, like, how Stella got her groove back. Yeah. Sort of movie but a little a little more independent film inclined yes yes um she ends up playing sarabi in lion king Mm -hmm. um last this past year i uh put in that voice to good use yeah i didn't see it still yeah i was just like whatever i mean we know what she sounds like yeah (laughs) um so, uh, she's currently being able to be seen on the apple tv series c with jace momoa Yes. Where everybody is blind. Yeah. It's a future uh-huh. where everyone's blind. Uh, supposedly, she's going to be producing a upcoming four-hour television miniseries about Fannie Lou Hammer, a voting rights activist and civil rights leader. <laughs> so, in terms of her career, you know, doing all right. She's done yeah. it all. She's done it all. We mentioned Clemency. We'll probably talk about it more in the fast forward. Yep. Um, she currently lives in Santa Monica, California with her husband, Roderick Spencer. They have two adopted children, Mavis and Duncan. Um, she's a Christian scientist, which I did not expect um never would have guessed yeah um in 89 she became the founder and board member of artists for the new south africa a nonprofit organization dedicated to combating the african aids pandemic and advancing democracy and equality in south africa um the charities raised more than nine million dollars and provided health care to over 3500 south african aids orphans um she's a democrat yeah i mean obviously a strong democrat yeah um supporter of lgbt rights and same-sex marriage 
2009, she joined a group of American film directors and actors on a cultural trip to Iran at the invitation of the House of Cinema Forum in Tehran. Um, yeah, I... Uh, this is interesting. I'm going to try and summarize this real quick as as a last thing. Um, she appeared in two, in 2015 on TLC's "Who Do You Think You Are," mm. um, and they do that's a program. They do genealogy and whatnot. Um, they found out that her great grandfather Alex Woodard Woodward. They found out that her great grandfather Alex Woodard was born a slave in Houston County, Georgia in the early 1840s. At about 14 or 15, Alex was separated from his family when his master relocated to Jackson Parish, Louisiana. Historians helped Woodard locate evidence that Alex was assessed a poll tax in 1867, indicating he was the first, he was registered to vote two years after the Civil War ended. Wow. Uh, by 1881, Jackson had purchased 80 acres of farmland in Jackson Parish. On April 15th, 1898, Alex Woodward and his wife, Elizabeth sold their 80 acres to her brother, Aaron Stell, and they had moved to Wharton County, Texas by that time. And I, I, I often think of, do you ever watch Atlanta? Uh, no. So there's this great episode in the first season of Atlanta where there's like a white guy who's throwing a party and he keeps talking to Donald Glover's character about lineage and how much he loves Africa. And, <sighs> and finally he's just like, so where did you come from? And Donald Glover's like, oh, well, I came from this part of the country. And he's like, no, like, where did you come from? Uh-huh. And Donald Glover just goes, oh, well, I don't know, because there's this very spooky thing called slavery. <laughs> and, like, I can't imagine doing your lineage and being yeah. like, yeah. oh, my family was property right. at one point in time. Yeah. But the end that they were separated from their family, yeah. bought and sold and moved around. So... I know that's like a very side conversation from what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Alfred Woodard on film. And I don't know. I just think everything that makes up a person informs them, their yeah. decisions. And she is an activist first, an actress and I second. Think, but also, like, can you imagine? And you, and she's an artist. She's uh, someone working in theater and film and yeah. TV. And so many times called upon to play slaves or, um, you know, house women to help others and whatever and she is standing on the history of her own family that lived this experience yeah um and so there is something and i guess that's why when she is used to do that in ways that i think that are like ineffective and like disrespectful it's that more um like uncomfortable um but when she is deployed really well and it, it feels like um, kind of like this, I don't know, uh, this strong like triumph. That, I think maybe that's like the root of like all you, what you just said is the root of maybe why where it's like, oh, you know, this is gross seeing right. her, you know, have to put on this like affectation of a, a dumb, uneducated um, woman who's servicing, you know, these white people as opposed to, you know, really acting the truth um um and telling these stories that we shouldn't forget you know right like we uh, i i've said this many times watching 12 years a slave is hard yeah but we cannot forget like this right. is the true brutality of how things were yeah i would rather watch a movie that told me the truth yeah. than 
tried to comfort me and, right and, 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 and tried with, to be like oh this white lady is so nice to her right. like oh my goodness right exactly i had a, such a good nice southern yeah. white woman be like oh, we're gonna help you you know do be- better your life yeah oh no i agree um should we move into our five star reviews one star reviews what do you think let's do our one star reviews cool So my pick is, and we you you didn't mention it in our um, recap, but I think we did mention it in our drag episode. Oh. Um, and so this is 2000's Holiday Heart. Um, have you watched? I did not. Okay. Um, I saw that it existed. It exists. It is available to stream now for free on Amazon Prime. Um, it is directed by Robert Townsend, um, and it stars Ving Rhames as the titular Holiday Heart. Um, he is a drag, a drag queen, um, in Brooklyn. He is. Oh boy. Yeah. And he is the hottest thing in town. Um, also what you, all you have to know about this movie is that the, um, poster, I mean, it's about a drag queen. Yeah. Like, period. Um, the poster though shows Ving Rhames out of drag. I didn't, I had no idea. Um, and it's, uh, and, and, it, and you know what? I just saw Alfred Woodard, um, was nominated for a Golden Globe <laughs> for this performance. Um, but not on my watch. Okay. Um, it, it, okay. Let's just bring up the plot. Okay. So Holly Hart is, um, a drag queen, um, there in Chicago. He's supposedly, allegedly like the best in town. People love him, but he is dusty crusty. I'll let you, like, uh, I don't know that they had any pe- drag um, people say, hey, this looks crazy. Um, he has this boyfriend. He dies. The whole ridiculata melodrama of this movie. Um, I knew I was in trouble when after the boyfriend dies, Holiday Heart shows up to the funeral in full drag and has a microphone and is singing and like is sobbing and you're supposed to be like, I don't know. It's to me like that scene is like they're trying to be like, wow, people just like don't accept him because he was gay and like he's a drag queen. But I'm like, no, this man's yelling at a funeral in full drag. <laughs> I'm not saying like a drag queen couldn't go to a funeral, no, perhaps, yeah, no. but drag queens in all spaces. But but it like uh, he, I, he just not the message, not the right. Um, anyway, he befriends, um, uh, Wanda, and that's Alfred Woodard, and she has a young daughter, Nikki, and Wanda is an addict. He befriends them, lets them move into his now very spacious house because his boyfriend has died. Um, Wanda, though, gets back on drugs, um, and she, it, it, and the movie just does a lot of, like, punching down i guess to um all three of these people um nikki wanda and holiday okay i love him all right i'm satisfied i want to have something that i thought i never would a real family holiday all my life i've been trying to get into the loop i just i'm so tired of being different I, I wanted to be in a family that 
that I could be proud of. I could man and a wife and a child. You act like God picked you and only you to give a hard life to. Well, look around, baby, because it's a big world out there. And believe me, it's turning mostly on misery. The only thing saving any of us is the good Lord's mercy. I am trying to talk to you. I don't want one of your religious lectures. And I don't want your bullshit. How's that? Alfre specifically, it is the only time that I saw where she is going the full yelling, bombastic, crazy. There's a scene where she's like on the phone and and I was like, I can, for the first time I saw Alfre like acting, you know, yeah. re reaching yeah. and like, and it's uh it's hard to watch it truly is hard to watch because i think like they're this is a movie that thinks it's doing something you know um but honey no it's it was it was bad i don't want to talk about it anymore it's, <laughs> I, I, and and with, i remember like seeing it on like when i was we were doing the drag um episode i remember like seeing it on lists of like movies about drag queens and i was like oh maybe not but now i was like oh maybe i should watch it now for off woodard and I can't, I mean, I'm, I cannot believe. It's, it's hard to, when you know somebody is so good at acting. Yeah. And so, and so like convincing in embodying their roles. I saw an interview with her where she kind of questioned whether she loses herself in roles or she's recognizable. And I think that's really important to her that she not, not be seen acting. Mm -hmm. I think that she, you know, she, she wants to be believable and yeah, it's frustrating, especially when you know what someone's capable of to look, see that. Right. And the, the movie does nothing for like redeeming this woman. I think this movie is very mean to her. I don't think it is like, I don't think I'm being naive when I say that this movie just doesn't. It, it's trying, it's trying to do that thing where it's like, it's real. All this is real. And it's like. I don't know if you're being real or just being very cruel yeah. because the, whatever message you think you're sending is being lost with like all this horrible music, horrible editing. Like it's, um, and, and it's disrespectful, honestly, to, um, <laughs> drag queens one. Yeah. Addicts two. Um, and, um, my eyes three. <laughs> the, um, I'm going to go with something that's a little less realistic or trying for a little less realism, though, depending on what you believe. Um, my one star review is 2014's Annabelle. Ah. Uh, Annabelle is a film. It's a spinoff of the movie The Conjuring, which I thought when it came out, I've yet to rewatch it. And I should at some point because I really liked it. Conjuring is, you know, this first in a cinematic universe of horror movies in which this family's being haunted by a malevolent spirit. And I thought the way that it was made was done in this really sort of like old fashioned 1970s horror movie style that you don't often see. I hate jump scares because I think the only people that don't jump at jump scares are maybe um, sociopaths mm -hmm. <laughs> who don't react. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, I, what I liked about The Conjuring was it felt like it, you know, the thing that was scary was the scare that you saw coming and the thing that you were dreading. And Annabelle throws all that out of the window. Like I said, it's a spinoff. It's about an evil doll. Like, it's a doll, yeah, right? Yeah, This couple, they're having a baby. The father, father brings home a doll. This woman and this other man break into their home and die because they're trying to bring a demon into this world. The demon possesses the doll and it needs a soul. This is all the very, very cliff notes. Um... Uh, the family moves because their their house is haunted by this entity and they think they can get away from it and they move to an apartment building. 
crazy shit starts happening there as well. Uh, enter Evelyn, I believe is her name, which is Alfred Woodard's character, who is a bookseller who also lives in their building, who is in tune with the spiritual world because, well, she's black. Right. And that's the, that they do that. Exactly. That, yeah. I don't particularly think what you're experiencing is the ghost of that girl. Why not? Well, ghosts haunt specific places, usually where something terrible has happened, like your old house. We moved and it's still happening. Which is why I don't think it's a ghost. But now that cult, you said that they were trying to summon something. From what I've read in the past, these cults, they don't summon ghosts. They summon inhuman spirits. Something that's never existed in the flesh. Demons. What, what do they want? A soul. We've discussed this many times on the show. Uh, I think starting with our Will Smith episode. Episode the, two. Yeah. The magical black person uh-huh. who comes in. So that's Aubrey Woodward's function in this film. She tells them about the demons. Mm-hmm. She tells them how they need souls. Also, the film decides to get very judgy. Uh, Alfred Woodard's character lost a daughter that's about the same age as the main woman uh, in a car accident, and she decided to kill herself. You know this because they do a nice big close-up of her wrist scar. Oh, good. And she tells this other woman, but my daughter came to me and said, it's God's plan for you to live longer. I'm going full out spoilers here because this movie is trash. I've heard the animal sequels are better, but this one is so bad. This movie made me angry. I believe my letterbox review was a half star. Wow. And I said that like this movie makes me hate the fact that I care so much about movies Mm. uh, because it's a blatant cash grab. In the end, the mother of the baby is like, I'm going to kill myself because this doll needs a soul. And they stop her and Alfred Woodard's like... I know what my daughter meant and grabs the doll and throws herself out the window and kills herself. Holy shit. Once again, also being one of the only people of color in the film. Uh-huh, of course. Sacrifices herself for the well-being of the white people. Oh, uh, well. It's... Congratulations. Yeah, it's frustrating. And it's a really thankless role. And I really feel like... I, you know, we can't get into these people's brains. But I think Alfrey was like... This is an easy mm-hmm. four-day shoot, week-long shoot. I can show up, do my three, four scenes, and just make the money off of this what burgeoning franchise. Yeah. Because she doesn't feel connected to, even in her speech, we've, we've talked about her being emotional, quiet emotions, loud emotions. She delivers her speech about her daughter in the most <laughs> flat, like... She could be reading you the phone book. Or she's like, like, yeah, you guys get that? Yeah, she, exactly. Take two shits. No. I'm ready to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's frustrating to watch because in a, it's it's interesting because you didn't like Holiday Heart because you could see the strings. Mm-hmm. You could see, you know, the, the mechanics working, the gears turning, all the metaphors. I couldn't see any of that because I, I, it was watching a stalled machine. Right. She just showed up and... She's such a talented actor and she deserves all the accolades that she gets. But, you know, and I I almost can't blame her because every now and then you got to do a big budget movie that you know. But even in Captain America's of War, you said it yourself. She shows up and she blows you out of the water yeah. for a scene yes. and then goes away. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, and I guess like I will say 
Holiday Heart is a probably was made on a really tight budget. Yeah. I mean, but man, the material is so bad. The material was so bad. Her like the hair, the wardrobe, all of it. I was like, what is happening? It, was it like that Tyler Perry movie that was made in five days? It's on Netflix now. Oh God, that, <laughs> I imagine flexing like that. Yeah. Oh, you're like really fucking rich and made a movie in five days. Right. And Netflix will just put it out for you. The but yeah, so Annabelle, real garbage, holiday art garbage. Was there anything else you saw was garbage? Because I not good transition point. Tyler yeah. Perry, the family that prays. The family that prays. I don't think you did. You say you didn't see the full thing. I didn't see the full thing. It's really bad because you've mentioned before Tyler Perry movies have their their um, morality plays. Yeah. Uh, this was maybe of the ones that I've seen, which have, have only been a handful is maybe the most soapy. It was 100% dynasty. Like, and Alfred Woodard is this woman who, like, she's struggling with money. She has family, her daughters, and um, the, she owns a restaurant. And her friend Kathy Bates is her white best friend who's very rich and is constantly paying for things for her. And um, she convinces her to go on a road trip with her. And essentially the road trip is Kathy Bates's early onset Alzheimer's Mm. and but it's very judgy because Kathy Bates is like I want two tequilas at every bar and like you know and and driving the Cadillac she's very free and Alfred Woodard is very religious and you know parts of the trip you know she Kathy Bates brings Alfred Woodard to a strip club so Alfred Woodard the next day brings her to a revival meeting to get her baptized in a river what the fuck and then at the end there's this like moment where she's like you know Kathy Bates character always told me to live more and I wasn't living you know I shut down but there's nothing to say that the movie wasn't being judgmental about Kathy Bates's lifestyle yeah yeah it's not like Alfred Woodard's message is now like, so go ahead and drink those two tequilas. Go to the strip club. Yeah, exactly. It's the weirdest. I don't want, I, he's, his religious ethic moral code doesn't make any sense. He bends over backwards to like, be like, so you see? Yeah. It's like, no, you fucking don't make any sense. Like there's a, his, her daughter is having an affair with Kathy Bates' married son. And she like gives this speech about how, you know, you can't, like, all she's doing is ruin two other people's happiness. Mm-hmm. And, like, she can't be happy by ruining somebody else's life. And I was just like, I cannot. I can, yeah. Enough, Tyler uh, Perry. Yeah, exactly. Um, The only one that I saw that was, like, was 2016's So Be It. Okay. Um, She plays, like, an agoraphobic uh, woman who takes in a... A woman who is autistic... Or uh, has a child, and they don't know her name. They can't really communicate. And then this child grows up and is trying to find out more about her mother and, like, her family. Um, there's a scene where they're like, come on, try and go outside. You can do it. And she's like, the sh- there's like, oh, and um, this is a scene from my life. <laughs> you can do it, Gavin. Come on. Yeah, come on. Jake Gyllenhaal's dad directed this. Oh, yeah, yeah. He uh, and there's like so there's a scene of like her it's like looking at the door and she's like really scared. I'm like, I don't think agoraphobes are afraid of just like a door, right? And and like she like is trying to like slowly crawl to the door, like and it's like so painful just to even get. I'm like, in the last scene I saw her literally with her head out of the door, like, <laughs> and it's it's very that you know I don't think that they 
completely understood how what a corpobes like are like or what what it would be this like. This was a highly researched film. Louis. Clearly. You know, um but I think that you don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I saw a shameless with uh Jane you know, uh, Joan, Joan Cusack. Cusack. Yeah, that's the only agoraphobe that I um, recognize. By the way, any any episode in which we can say Joan Cusack's name in unison mm. is a blessed event. Blessed so, event. Thank you all for being here. Um, but it's funny. I there were a lot of movies that I actually liked a lot yeah. more, even though it's just small parts in them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I mentioned earlier Mississippi Grind. She's in a scene. I fucking ended up loving Mississippi Grind in a way that I was not expecting to. Um, yeah, uh, she's she's had such an interesting career. I don't think you know. I think the other one that I, the other one that I don't, but it's not for her performance is Cross Creek. Yeah, and I think she's good in the role. I think she's doing everything that's asked of her. But we've sort of talked about this before. I I think there's many good performances in movies that people traditionally consider bad. Cross Creek is not considered a bad movie. She was nominated for Academy Award. I think upon revisiting, more people would be like, oh, this is not very good. Yeah, but. Yeah. So, so maybe we should get into our five-star reviews then. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I think I love and appreciate Alfred Woodard so much because her body of work, kind of in the same way we were talking about Regina King, um, it is such a good reflection of Black American culture. Yeah. And I just... I'm so appreciative of seeing things where I'm like, this is not for me. This is for a black yeah, yeah. Um, audience who would, who are, are going to love this so much. And I mean, like love and basketball is a like, you know, a, a, a crown, the crown jewel um, of, you know, a rom-com teenage, you know, for, for black yeah. audiences. Um, and she's barely in the movie. She plays the mom, um, but she's in a lot of, movies like that that i think um that, that i just like love so much um in what's cooking i thought that was like you know um really interesting my pick is uh a miss firecracker in 1989 there's no movie there's no portrayal that she does that is like popeye jackson she is and i know we're gonna insert a clip of her but it's not gonna do it justice because it is such a physical role yes and she is so funny she is so funny and and we don't get to see her be funny um, a lot of times. No. Um, and I, I do wish for that. Yeah. And so there's like, it, it, Miss Firecracker is based on the Beth Henley play, Miss Firecracker Contest. And, um, the, she plays Popeye Jackson. She is a, um, seamstress, um, who the lead character, Carnell, has hired to help her make her, um, costumes for this, of uh, the Firecracker Contest. Um, Carnell is, an outsider she is trying to uh remake herself into something perhaps that she is not all in the hopes for a little glory a little um respect in the community it's alluded that she's kind of, she's kind of been a loose woman she's called little miss hot tamale um but she says i'm going to church now um I love, I love her in that movie, by the way. I, oh, yeah, she's so good. Everybody, sorry, I'm not dying to distract you from. No, but everyone is so good. At, I mean, Mary Steenburgen as um, Elaine, yeah, who won Miss Firecracker years yeah. ago, um, is just so cunty. But yeah, you don't get to see Mary Steenburgen play too many villains, and that's yeah. another thing that I'd really like. Yeah, because I love her when she's. The, the, I think there's just something so sweet about her that when she plays 
when she hits those notes, yeah. you're just like, oh, fuck, she's evil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like this, this, this movie is like, when Carnell goes to the like fashion shop to get a dress made, the woman and everyone's laughing at her. This is a, yeah. this is a, she's a tryhard kind of like outsider. Yeah, people shock red hair. Like, yeah, she's yeah. like, you don't think it's too loud? And, <laughs> yeah. and Elaine's like, well, it is certainly red. <laughs> <laughs> so she, both Carnell and Popeye, are these outsiders who are very earnest. Yeah, um, she plays Popeye with such uh, zeal and just like. Uh, any moment that could be awkward, she just kind of like picks her chin up and she's got these huge glasses on, her big eyes. I mean, she already has big eyes as an actress, yeah. but they like really amplify them. And she has incredible scenes with both Carnell, Elaine, and um, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, um, Delmont. Delmont. <laughs> who is maybe insane? Yeah, Delmont. <laughs> Delmont, who is maybe insane. And um, there's so many layers to this story you know beth henley did it won the pulitzer prize yeah um that deservedly year. so yeah and there's weird like uh carnell's cousins with elaine and uh, delmont um delmont and elaine have like kind of a weirdly sexual relationship there mm-hmm. is something going on there their mom had a pituitary pituitary I can't remember the word. Pituitary? That one. Um, a gland problem. They replaced it with an apes. And, yes. And, I mean, the, mo- the movie's so funny, but it just keeps, it just keeps yeah. going. It's like, well, she did live one month longer than they thought yeah. she would. But, but she th- grew black hairs all, all over, over her, her body. body. <laughs> and they, and Delmon calls her our mama ape. Yeah. <laughs> when she meets, uh, Popeye. Popeye's like, well, I used to make costumes for bullfrogs and I sell them. They're really good pets. Um, it's so funny. And then, but the best scene with Popeye is when she meets Delmont and she explains why her name is Popeye. And she, the, the, she delivers the funniest line. She's like, I'm Popeye Jackson. That's not my original name. I wasn't born with it. Actually, see, what happened was my brother, Lucky, he, he threw a handful of gravel in my eyes. And it was stinging. And then he, he gave me this little brown bottle of drops to put inside my ass, telling me that it was drops for the eyes. In fact, it was drops for the ears, causing this burning sensation that made me scream out and cry like the devil. And I got me some glasses, and my eyes bulged out a little bit. And folks were just calling me Popeye. And, and the name kind of stuck with me, Popeye. That's how I got that name. It's a very tragic tale. Oh, no. Actually, the fortunate part of it is I can now hear voices through my ass. The movie is all very earnest, and um, it's just like, it reminds me, like, this is how you make a movie about the American South. The, so she did recently for, in November, did an Actors on Actors with Cynthia Erivo. Mm. And it's really great. Uh, But one of the things she talked about is her acting style. And all I could think of when she was talking about it was this movie, which is funny because this movie is so long ago now. Yeah. But she talked about when she, you know, when she was starting out. You know, I was, I was an odd child. Yeah. Uh, and you can either be odd and apologetic about it. Uh-oh, or you can really be loud. odd and just like, I'm not going away. Odd <laughs> <laughs> <I> and <laughs> loud. <laughs> so it felt like I was walking around, yeah. you know, all my life yeah. on dry land doing the, the breaststroke. And then people were like, it. oh, yeah, what are there she goes. And that's... Instantly made me think of Popeye because I, that's what her character kind of is. She, she doesn't get it's, and you did it perfectly. And unfortunately, <laughs> podcast is not a visual medium, but you did the picks her chin up. Yeah. And like, she does. Yeah. She, and, and, and it, because 
like she isn't outside she's a black woman she's yeah. she's poorer she it, it lives on the other side of town um the movie doesn't shy away from like right. the distinction and, between and these she's people basically kind of had to create her own yes. function in life that idea that she's making costumes for bullfrogs is not mm-hmm. it's out of necessity to keep herself fucking sane right like that's the you know and because, when she meets all these other people yeah she's like Okay, well, you're big and smart and whatever, but I'm here too, and right. I have a story to tell. And and she talks and talks and talks about her brother, and you know how he he got bit by a water moccasin once and he died, and like there, and it just keeps going on and on. And she's not gonna like back down, and so she is such a strong character, but she's really fucking weird, yeah. and I love it so much. Um, I just want to protect her. Uh, but lo- I, I love that pick. Yeah. yeah. Miss Firecracker, um, go find it. It's um, a fun movie, It's but it's also so emotional. And it, it's really about um, just wanting um, someone to look at you. And, how, yeah. and, and in the end, it's about how silly a big contest is when uh, if you can find someone to love you. So it's funny. My five-star review, I think, approaches a similar a similar thing from a very different aspect. And my five-star review is 1992's Passion Fish. Mm, mm-hmm. I've been meaning to watch this movie for a very long time. I, I like John Sales a lot, and it was a blind spot for me. And I did not realize how much I would like it. And I genuinely think this is maybe my favorite John Sales film. And he writes films mostly about men and mostly about white men. So it kind of shocked me that he would be able to capture both this white woman and this black woman so well. But I think what it is is... I, this is, as we mentioned before, it's a film about it. She's a soap star. She gets paralyzed. She has to go back home and reinsert herself in, into this life she left behind. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's like she's reinserting herself into like Southern living also. Yes. Yeah. She, she's like has gotten rid of her accent and she looks down on yeah. where she's from. But I almost don't think that's. I think she started looking down on where she was from the moment she left. Mm-hmm, I don't think this is, and I think this is an aspect about this woman's personality that she, Mary Alice Culhane, which is Mary McDonald's character. By the way, Mary McDonald is an alumnus of my college wow. as well. So yeah, she, Sorry. Is, she uh, is she still working? Yeah, absolutely. She did uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh and, right, yeah, right. and she also did. Um, what was the sequel series to the closer special crimes unit or something, something like that. Special crimes, I think is a, yeah, the cr- these crimes are special high crimes. I don't know. She did stuff. I don't, I love, I love her to pieces. Um, I do think she's an amazing actor. She moves back to her empty home in Louisiana. Um, she starts drinking real hard and she basically goes through one caregiver after another until mm-hmm. she meets this woman named Chantel. Uh, who has her own problems. Chantel comes in. She really fucking needs this job. Um, she's not going to take shit from Mary Alice. And she's a recovering addict. But what I like is the movie doesn't... The movie doesn't focus on these terrible... Like, the alcoholism is a big part of it. And obviously Chantel's like, you don't need this. Right. Like, you need to stop lying to yourself. Right. And I do like the also the movie takes time to put them in their roles. Like Chantel on her first day or second day, like leaves Mm -hmm. uh, Mary Alice alone and Mary Alice falls. Yeah. And she basically realizes like, Oh, I need someone. I can't do this alone. I I can't do this alone. And also that 
Chantel can't she she needs to be there. Mm-hmm. She she can't just go gallivanting around. Not that she was gallivanting, but there was a series of events that like yeah. led, kept her away from. And the when house. she goes right, and she meets like a guy, right? And there's like kind of like a little tryst, if you right. will. And so I I think it's I think what I liked about this movie a lot is it's a really interesting character study. It's not it's a it's it's not the most exciting plot really. No. It's kind of. Um, a series of visitors in a way. <laughs> yeah. She gets visited by her uncle who's like a gay DL gay man. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because there, there's like that moment after he leaves between her and Chantel where she's just like, of course everybody in the family knew. And Chantel's like, yeah, it takes all kinds. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's, and that's all that's mentioned of it. You know, her, like her, Rel- like higher class friends, friends come. The they're so- like, "Is that you, Mary May?" Yeah, exactly. Oh my old, goodness. old friends, and they're they're talking about people they used to make fun of, and mm-hmm. and Mary Alice is like, "That you, was me." Yeah, that was me. You bitches. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my favorite scene in the movie, or one of my favorite scenes, is when her co-stars come and visit and mm. you get a <gasps> oh yeah. my god i just remembered who they are yeah exactly you get a very brief role from angela bassett in the film too mm-hmm. and all the stuff that happens with mary alice is really fascinating and really interesting and it's great and there's this am- amazing monologue that occurs during that scene but also on the opposite side of that there's a scene in which Angela Bassett and Alfred Woodard talk to each other in the kitchen and they both realize they're from Chicago. So, uh, you from around here? Chicago. Really? <laughs> Me too. Coolie eye. With the sable. Where'd you live? Euclid Street. Ooh, Bill Hill. Father must have been a doctor. Huh. I'm from out of Cabrini Green. It's a long way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, how's she doing? See for yourself. Well, I don't think I could handle it. You and her are good friends. We spend a lot of time together. Work, you know. Yeah. You two seem to uh, get along pretty well. We spend a lot of time together. And what I love about that scene is you've spent so much time with Alfred Woodard and probably due to personal biases, you think like, oh, well, she was not someone who was well off. She's this drug addict. She And Angela Bassett comes in and she's like, where are you from? Alfred Woodard tells her where she's from. She's like, oh, you're rich. Yeah. Like your daddy was a doctor, wasn't mm-hmm. he? I come from Cabrini Green. And it's this amazing moment where it's like, oh, you as an audience have been assuming one thing. Right. But everybody has a story and everybody has. And that's what I find really fascinating is it's a it's a not short movie. It's a little over two hours. But being such a character study, you really get to know these two people. You get to know their friendship, the way their lives work, the way things tick for them. You find out, you know, uh, Alfred Woodard's character has a daughter who's mm-hmm. been living with her father because yeah. she's an she unfit lost, mother. Yeah. She lost custody and... I don't know. There's, I, there's also a really good, like, Alfred Woodard is kind of, like, wingmanning for her. Yes. And bringing um, this, like, hot carpenter dude. <laughs> and they go, like, on the boat. Yeah, David Strathairn. Yeah. And if I get that wrong, Dan Mecca, 
Come at me. Come at me. <laughs> um, get her, Jade. The, the title of the movie comes from when they're on the boats and they're catching passion fish and like yeah. cutting them open to like see, I don't know, their future or something. Yeah, because it's a fish that eats the little fishes. And the yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's funny about that is when the movie came out, everybody was like, oh, like this Louisiana myth. John Sayles invented it. What? It's not a real thing. It's not he a real made, thing at he all. He made it up for the movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, He's making <laughs> exactly. myths up. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really loved the film. And I really loved sitting and existing with those characters. And, you know, it's it's quiet. It's mm-hmm. not, and it's Very much. nice and it's sweet. And it's it's not soapy by any means, which is funny because soap operas take <laughs> up so much time in the movie. And- right, yeah. It's funny because the, the, you see a lot of... Uh, scenes of her in the soap opera. Yeah. And then when her friends come down, they're like, oh, well, then the car accident and amnesia. And they're so they're talking about all yeah. these like ridiculous. She's like, she's like, oh, and I'm, I'm pregnant now. And she's like, well, that's weird. Your, your character is sterile. And she's like, like, oh no, well, an alien knocked me up. Yeah, so yeah, that's the, yeah. <laughs> you know, the- and so you have like that kind of parallel to, uh, the like quiet, um, yeah, escape that they've, you know, made from both of their, uh, and, Literally, as the movie goes on, Mary Alice, is Mary Alice? Mary Alice. He, her accent is coming back. And yeah. so that by the end of it, she is speaking again like a Southern woman. And I also like the movie's kind of frank about her diagnosis. It's not like, yeah. oh, she's going to get better and everything's no. going to be fine. It's like, this is her new reality. Yeah. And, and she, she hates it. And she hates it, but she has to adjust to it if she wants to continue on in this world. And, you know, Chantel basically has to tell her that constantly. Yeah. She's like, you can't drink yourself into a stupor every day. Like, this is it for you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you either go on or you don't. I don't know. It's it's a very personal, very quiet film. And mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's it's interesting, too, that we both picked Southern movies. But Alfred Woodard is not Southern in no. this film. You know? No, so, she's not. Yeah. So... But anyways, was there anything else that stood out? I mean, there's so I talked about Star Trek First Contact earlier. Yeah, I think Crooklyn is like a must watch for everybody. Um, I want to quickly mention a 2017 movie on Netflix called Burning Sands. Yeah. Um, it's again a story that is for a black audience. It is, um, brutal, but not, uh, cruel, I thought. Yeah. Um, and she's, uh, not a big part of it. No, but, she has like two, three scenes. Yeah, most. Um, and it's about um the world of uh fraternities and um specifically black fraternities historic at, at historically black colleges. Um, it is kind of a heartbreaker. Um, and it's at some points hard to watch. But um, again, I thought like she probably saw the script and was like, yes, we need to be talking about this. Yeah, and how we treat each other. Um, because we the lies that we tell ourselves is that we hurt each other um, to honor each right. other. And in reality, we're just fucking... And, and espe- especially men. Especially men. And yeah. the, the masculinity thing of like, you know, showing how tough you are. And in reality, like, it's it's a lie. We are lying to ourselves by saying that we put each other through hazing as an honorable thing. Right. And, and that's a lie. Um, and I was very surprised. Just, I mean, this is like a random Netflix movie that really didn't yeah, make I, I didn't hear anything about it. And like you said, it came out two years ago too. So it yeah. was early on in Netflix attempt, to, you know, to take over the film industry right. by, by yep. you know, buying things and producing them. And, and, and just like full of like really talented young black actors. Yeah. Um, and, I really liked it too. I watched it on Friday. I do want to real quick before we move into our fast forward, I do want to say, 
it's a bad movie and maybe not worth watching but if you can find clips of her character from beauty shop mm. it's she just bursts into reciting my angelou poem poems sometimes not even in the right moments sometimes just you know she just finds one situated and to me it was so funny because <laughs> it was that that idea of like trying to be really high class yeah 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 and, and be but not you know i mean but i think what we're like responding to is like we love her when she's funny yes yeah yeah, she's so good absolutely uh but before we move into our fast forward let's move into our mixed reviews review um my one star review was 2000's holiday heart and my one star review is 2014's annabelle my five star review was 1989's miss firecracker and my five star review was 1992's passion fish Let's move in to our fast forward. So we talked about that she has a movie out right now. Yes. Um, I don't know that it will be out much longer, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, then it'll it'll get its existence on cable. Right. Um, it'll come to a streaming service. And I don't know. It's a film called Clemency, and it's very much worth your time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, hiccup. You you saw this. Yes. Um, I was desperately trying to find In New York City, the closest place you can go see it is in Staten Island or White Plains. And nobody wants that. And nobody wants that. So if if it is at a specialty theater near you, um, please find it and watch it. It's a female filmmaker. She's Nigerian. Her name is Chinoe uh, Chukwu. I could be doing that wrong. Please, you know, forgive me. Seriously. Um, I've not heard anybody pronounce her name before. So it's, I'm just you're, going, you're, you're guessing I'm going off fine. of phonetics. Um, it's a film in which, uh, Alfred Woodard plays a female warden at a death row prison. Um, and her latest inmate to be executed, that's up for execution. Anthony Woods played by Aldous Hodges. He has a lot of appeal attempts that have failed. His lawyer, Richard Schiff, has been trying for years to get him off of death row. And it's just speeding towards this date. And you can see that these deaths, these executions, are, have each one just takes a bit of her soul mm. from her. It's a very, very quiet performance. Wendell Pierce plays her husband, and this is affecting her marriage in a really negative way, This these years of this buildup. How do you keep doing it? I do my job. You want to believe there's good guys and bad guys, and I'm one of the bad guys. But I give these men respect, Marty. There's all these amazing little turns in it. Uh, Daniel Brooks, who I Ugh. think, yeah, most people know from Orange is the New Black. She has one scene in the movie, and it's a fucking killer scene. It's so, so good. Um, and just this cast, I don't know. But the thing that Alfred Woodard's doing in this movie is exactly what we're talking about, where it's just real quiet and internal. And just there's these moments where she just dazes out, and the camera just stays on her face. And maybe some of the best face acting I've seen in a long time. And it's just... It's frustrating because it's very clear that, like, this is an award-worthy performance. That, that that people just ignored. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean... And I'm not saying they wouldn't if she was white or if the subject matter was different. It's just really frustrating Yeah, that it feels like that's definitely part of it. Because it is... 
basically an anti-capital punishment film. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you could read it any other way. Right. Um, on her IMDb, there's only one other thing coming up for her. It says fatherhood in 2021. Um, there's not much. I, you know what I would love though? I would love to see her back on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Like, man, and I, I, I have to believe, like, I want to, like, I bet she's so good on, on stage. Um, because she's just such a physical actress. Um, and so seeing her kind of like, working um and and like really like getting into a good um a play would be, just be uh, so and, and the thing is is she's 68 mm-hmm. so she's not as young as she once was though she is incredible looking yeah she does not look she 60. does not look 68. yeah she's like the same age as my mom and this is like no competition sorry mom <laughs> but uh but that you know i because she is so physical and so but then again, you know, I just saw David Allen Greer in a soldier's play in that show. He fucking throws himself down on the ground like seven, eight times. Oh, also in his mid sixties, so like who, whatever. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, may, age is just a number. But like, I, I do. I want her to. I want to see as much as I can before, yeah. uh, you know, she retires. And and like, I want, you know, I, I want to see her on stage. I want to see her do more comedies. And I really do like when she's funny. And I like when she's weird. And I like that she doesn't yeah. doesn't care if she's awkward. She says she loves playing villains because it's a part of her personality. She can't tap into that much. And yeah. And I don't know. I I I want all these things for her. Uh, but I'm more than anything, and this is out of her control, is I want the mainstream to recognize what a jewel she is. Yeah. And she's had a great career. That's not me saying she hasn't had a great career. But a lot of these things that we've talked about that we've loved have not been things in the mainstream. Right. Have not been roles that, you know, have have been written for her or, or it's... It's, I mean, it truly, like, Meryl Streep is her contemporary you know right. they're both women of a certain age and alfrey woodard should be getting the right. same level of roles that meryl's getting um and, and they're they're out there you know yeah. like and i you're right like things should be more things like clemency should be made for alfrey woodard where yeah. she can because a lot of in both of our picks for five stars she is supporting cast yeah she, like there's not a lot of uh, movies where she is the lead um period throughout her career and so a uh, clemency you know i remember being like oh wow this is very clear like on the poster it is her right and that is it this movie was sold on her um and this performance and um what's wild is that like she fucking killed it right you know and everyone can the people that did see it were like this is an amazing career defining performance and like you said, the mainstream yeah. just ignored it. And and two things I do want to say real quick. One, we both picked early on in her career films. And I do not want to say that by picking those, we're saying that her only good work is back then. Obviously, Clemency is right up there for me yeah. in terms of her work. And I, I do want to point that out. I don't want anybody to say that we don't think she's peak. <laughs> she's she's doing, you know, she's right. doing the thing. And it's fantastic. The other thing I want to say is um, I found an interview with her where she talked about that exact thing that you're talking about where the roles are not out there mm-hmm. in terms of these leads. And now that she's of a certain age, she's too old. Mm-hmm. You know, she said like, what are people going to go see her in the Sojourner Truth yeah. biopic? Uh-huh. Like it's not, you know, so they're not 
out there because, and she recognizes she's, you know, a woman who's over, she's, she's a woman mm-hmm. of color mm-hmm. over 50. Yeah. And she knows like these things are not going to come to her as often. Um, which is, I mean, so unfortunate and indicative of the, the business that is right. film. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I think about, uh, like, I don't mean to compare, but you know, of say like her and Viola Davis, yeah. you know, um, Alfred Woodard has been working, I think longer than she's older than yeah. Viola Davis, but they do kind of occupy the same space of like strong black woman. Yeah. Um, but and then they're both dark skinned women. Yeah. They both talked about how like they, they didn't, I mean, Alfred Witter worked when she was younger also, but really not like breaking through to the mainstream later until later in your career. Um, yeah, it's interesting. She, and, they did a Oprah round table. It was her and Viola Davis and Felicia Rashad and they were talking about competition mm-hmm. amongst. Every time I would hear the name of another actor, woman actor who's mm-hmm. african-american it was your manager or your agent of the agency going you know that be oh god okay i hope that's so, so i hope she turns it down if she turns out so it was like every time i would hear my sister's names called it would be with that and so i'd have to negate and like well, you know you, you negate that it's just a it's a it's a spiritual practice i've had but i realized that all of us had more in common with each other than we did with anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. We have our friends, our loved ones, our family, but there is a language that we speak, that we walk that same walk everywhere. We know how it feels. But it's because those the roles, the the, mm-hmm. per, the pool, the percentage yeah. is so small. Yeah, Hollywood makes it makes them believe that yeah. it is a competition because they only give like one role out for yeah. you know per big movie, and it's like we should be making the pool bigger. Yeah. Like, you know, that's like, that's it. You know, um, there's plenty of, uh, the talent is all there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think she's had an excellent career, varied. She gets to do all sorts of things. And I hope that now we still get more. I, yeah. I hope. Well, that's, I, I mean, she's, she's put in the hard yards and she's done yes, everything you know, as, as an activist, as an actor, she's done everything she can. And I just think it's, you know, my criticism is not for her. It's for the system that she's unfortunately in is that they need to start recognizing yeah. the, the brilliance, whether it be giving her the roles, you know, creating these roles that need to be seen with her in them mm-hmm. or rewarding her for them. So she's seen as the, yeah, the yeah. prestige that yeah. she is. Yeah, totally. And l- let it begin with us. Let it. Yeah, exactly. Here in Park. <laughs> In our in yeah. our 2019, the mixed reviews. So saith Alfred Woodard. <laughs> we so we salute you. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so I think that wraps up Alfred Woodard. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Yeah. As always, you can find us online on Twitter at at the mixed reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in the mixed reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, where Gavin posts all of our good extra goodies and content uh, at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. 
Um, it's good stuff. And if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Google Play Music. And also, if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Leave us a nice five-star review. Write us a little love note, and we'll read it on the air. We actually did get one recently, and I'll read it next episode, I promise. There you go. And um, keep a lookout for our Twitter poll is back officially now that we have a back, singular... Back, 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 back again. Back rolls. Um... <laughs> Uh, so yeah until then guys we'll see you on the flip absolutely bye